I'm going to preach a sermon today called The Greatest Command. And before I do, um, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much just for the opportunity, Lord, to bring your word. Um, Lord, I, I don't take for granted, Lord, that you have given me, Lord, this ability to bring your word. And uh, I just pray, Lord, that I'll turn it all over to you, that you'll turn the switch, Lord. And it'll be all your words. It'll be everything, Lord, that you want to say to your church lord may the holy spirit just fill this place lord and and open up our eyes lord so that we can see something in a way we've never seen it before so that we can hear something lord exactly the way you want us to hear it and open up our minds lord so that we can truly understand it and know what to do with it lord but most of all lord will you use all that to open up our hearts so that we fall crazy in love with you and Everything else in this world, everything pales in comparison to knowing you, for there is no one like you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I just love that calming spirit that comes over after uh, after I do that, because I've been kind of just shaking. I'm like, man, I mean, even after three years, you think, well, surely he don't mind getting up there now. Well, he does, okay? I'm going to let you know that he does. <laughs> so... Um, the greatest command comes, uh, it's said several places in the Bible, but I chose Luke chapter 10, verse 27, to, um, to bring it about. So he answered and said, now he answered, this is actually a lawyer answering a question. And so we're going to look at the full context of that in a little bit, but this you've heard several times it's in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament. And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So here we have the greatest commandment. And the last time I spoke, uh, you know, I talked about this process that you go from faith in God to loving God. And in the American version of Christianity, okay, you would think that all a pastor needs to do is convince you to come forward or in some way to say what's called the sinner's prayer, ask the Lord into your heart and to forgive you for your sins, and then that, bam, okay, now what you need to do is you need to love God and love people. But if this is the greatest command... If it's the greatest thing that we're supposed to do, do you think that is going to be easy to do or hard to do? I mean, like if you're down here struggling with this adultery thing or this bearing false witness thing or this honoring your father and mother thing, okay? Now, if you're, if you're down here struggling with that, then you probably struggle with this, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, I mean, like you put everything that you have inside of you, you put your heart into learning this word and spending time with him. Is that the, the, the greatest and the most fun thing that you do? You put your heart into this and your soul, does this satisfy your soul more than anything else? Does this comfort you more than a huge meal that you eat? 
Does this comfort you more than sitting down and watching movies and TV shows and, and reading news feeds on Facebook and finding your favorite stories politically and posting them out there for all those opposers to read? Does that satisfy your soul like, like this? Or is this the greatest thing that really brings satisfaction to your soul? This comforts me more than anything with all your Strength. I mean, with everything that you have, do you go after His presence? With all your mind, is this what you're pumping in your mind as much as possible? Is this what you're trying to memorize? Is this what you're doing? Do you know more of this word or do you know more songs, lyrics that come on the radio? What satisfies you? What, what do you fill your mind with? And your neighbor is yourself. Do you really treat people that have different views than you? Do you treat people like Jesus would treat them? Guys, this is hard. And I'm not there yet. I want to be there. I want so bad to say, God, I love you more than anything else on this planet. But can I really say that? I want to so bad and I feel like there's little spells in my life where I do, but it seems like all those mountaintop experiences are like followed by these valley experiences where I just don't know and I'm just not sure if this is the greatest commandment to follow. Well then, the greatest sin that we could commit would obviously be to not follow this. But we want to pick sins that we don't struggle with. And we want to throw that out there and say, well, I don't struggle with this and that and the other, so I must be way better off. I must be some hero. But do you love Him? Do you love Him with everything that you have, with everything that you are? And can you be honest and say, well, no, I'm not there, but I want to get there. What's my next move? What do I do? What, what, where, do where do I go next? Because there are things, guys, that I'm constantly having to relearn that I should know by now. It's like I'm in this constant state of review. And the one thing is like when I deal with people, especially all the people that I have to deal with, I'm constantly battling, I feel like, the symptom and not the source. Like if I'm dealing with anger, these people that are just angry. A lot of times I stay right there and sometimes I get angry back, you know, because I'm just, I'm frustrated and, and, I, and I'm all this. And so I'm dealing with this anger issue. And then when I get alone with God, it's like, it's not the anger. And anger is, is a symptom of the deeper problem. I mean, we may deal with some students sometimes that are just so frustrating. But like, if you keep showing them love, if you keep showing them kindness, eventually you'll be in a one-on-one -on -one conversation and they will open up to you and they'll tell you about their family life. They'll tell you about some things that happened and you're like, I get it now. Like this whole time where I thought I was dealing with this, man, this is the cause of all that. If we can get down to that, that cause, we'll be dealing with the source, not the symptom. And Jesus 
was a master of constantly dealing with the source. And in John chapter 5, verse 39, I want you to check these little two verses out. He's telling Pharisees. Now, these, this guy has just gotten healed of like blindness. And in fact, he hasn't even seen Jesus because Jesus did this little mud thing and put it on his eyes and told him to go wash. And so he heard Jesus' voice. You know, he knew he was there, that there was this guy named Jesus that existed. But when he washed, he could see. Now, he had never seen Jesus physically yet, but he went to the priests and to the Pharisees. And he says, man, this guy healed me. And they kept asking him over and over, how in the world, you know, did this happen? He's like, all I know is this this dude named Jesus touched me. And I can see that. That's all I know. And then they'd bring the parents in there and say, well, was he really blind in the first? They're like, yeah, man. And they're like, well, how did this happen? And they're like, well, I'm not telling you. You ask him. He knows. So they kind of dumped it on him because they didn't want to be kicked out of the church. And so they're going off on all of this stuff, okay? And finally, they confront Jesus and they're like, man, you really can't be from God because even though this is cool what you did, you did it on the Sabbath day. And since you did it on the Sabbath day, you're obviously not from God because you don't keep the Sabbath, you don't keep the rules like we do. They're telling Jesus, like, if you really want to follow God, you ought to keep the Sabbath. You're telling God exactly how this. And here is part of what Jesus tells these religious people who believe that keeping all these rules, they'll find their salvation. He says, you search the scriptures, which is a good thing, right? We should search the scriptures. I believe we should uh, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. You think that memorizing this and following these rules and making up little bitty rules to help you keep the bigger rules, you think that that is what saves you. And I would think, I would, I would have to say that the American church, this American version of Christianity that we have, we think that because we know a few Bible verses and we can condemn this and this and this and at least we don't deal with this and this and this, then we must be good and when I die, I'm going to stand before heaven. But Jesus would say, you think that because you know this stuff right here that you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. These scriptures that you think because you've memorized and you try to keep the ones that you really like and then you find these way around the ones that you don't really like. He says, these are the, are the scriptures that testify of me. I'm here not just to open eyes physically. I'm here to open eyes spiritually. You are more blind than the guy that was healed because here you are, you think because you keep all these rules that you're going to heaven. But the scriptures, they testify of me. And now I'm here. But you, you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. Because if they change, Well, they're going to have to go from rule keeping to loving God. And it seems on the surface, I would much rather just have a few rules and let him tell me what to do. And at the end of the day, if I've done a good job, at least I could feel good about myself. That is 10,000 times easier 
than falling in love with God and staying in love with God. You're just not willing to come to me. You love a little bit of the Bible. You love hearing people a band play. You love hearing people preach. You love even getting up there and preaching for people. But you're not willing to come to me. You don't love me. And you would think that so many of these would say, wow, you know, you're right. You're, you're fulfilling all these scriptures, but they refused because it's easier to keep rules than it is to stay in love. But through a bunch of this, I mean, some of these Pharisees got saved just two chapters earlier in context of, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He was actually talking to a Pharisee named Nicodemus. And he said, listen, I know all this stuff. I know the scriptures, but there's something about you that I'm just attracted to and I want what you're offering. And he says that. He says that if you'll believe in me, add to your scripture knowledge this faith in me and you'll have eternal life and you will not perish some people after hearing that some of these pharisees they understood they understood what he was saying and there's always this moment where i seem to understand where no matter what behavior if i can't stand dealing with this person if you'll keep talking to them eventually when they let their guard down and you talk to them you understand the source of all of this anger, the source of all this sexual immorality, the source of all of it, and you completely understand. A few years ago, guys, for the most part, I really don't watch a whole lot of movies, but in the alternative school, we uh, we try to show them, they sign off that they can watch PG-13 movies, and PG-13 movies today are just like what R-rated movies were 20 years ago. Um, but we'll watch all these things and we always try to show movies where there's a character that's like totally flawed that acts a lot like the people that we teach. And by the end of the movie, they don't act that way. You know, so we're just hopefully we're kind of brainwashing them a little bit into behaving a little better. So, you know, we, I remember th- three years ago when I was at Code Academy, this kid told me, he said, Mr. Hopkins, you got to watch this movie. So I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. So I, I took it home, and he kept asking me, have you watched that movie? And I'm like, no, I hadn't. I'll get to it. And he just kept on. And finally, I'm like, I got to watch this movie, okay? It was called Pacific Rim. Okay, anybody seen Pacific Rim? All right, cool. A couple of people. Man, I talk about stuff that nobody knows. But anyway, uh, so in this movie, there's like these huge, I mean, like Godzilla-like monsters that's coming up out of the ocean and, and like just destroying stuff. Well, in order to combat these things, we built these, I mean, just monstrous machines that these two people have to get in and like their brains have to be compatible to run the thing and they can get in there and they can fight these things. You know, so they'll beat one and then another would come and they'd beat that one and they'd wonder how long they could hold out and wonder how long. And like finally they realize that like deep in the core of the earth, they can keep sending thousands of these things if they want to. 
And so they figure out how to go down to the core or whatever and blow it up because once you get to the source, you've eliminated all these, these symptoms. And that's kind of what, what, I'm, what I'm kind of getting at here today. So in dealing with people, I constantly battle the symptom and not the source. So no matter what it is, when you get frustrated with people, ask yourself, am I dealing with the symptom right here or am I dealing with the source? And if you're not dealing with the source, you really need to make a point to not be, to be aggravated or to lash out, which is way easier said than done. And two, I constantly glorify the effect and not the cause. And in Luke chapter 10, verse 17, like, check this out. Then the 70 returned with joy. Now, what were they doing? Well, Jesus told them, I want you to go out and preach. You know, go out and and proclaim my name. And he gives them all these instructions. And so they go out and they are obviously successful. I mean, they come back, and here's the first words they say to Jesus. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. As long as we use your name, the power that we have, God, is unbelievable. Okay? Now, are they saying something good? I mean, is this like, is this like a good statement? Is, I mean, what's Jesus going to say right after this, I mean, you know, like, you are right, guys. I'm so glad I can empower you. You guys have it going on now. Look at the words Jesus says. I had no idea the context of this verse. I knew this verse, but I didn't know to whom he was saying it to. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And we know, I mean, as far as what I know about, about Satan, he was Lucifer, this beautiful angel, and apparently he got some sort of prideful thing going on, and people started thinking because of what he could do, that, man, they should have just been worshiping him instead of God, and he, he got a third of the angels convinced these guys that they need to follow him and revolt against God, and then, man, he just fell like lightning from heaven through all of his pride. So... When you look at that verse again, go back one for me. Uh, Alyssa, he says, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. And he starts, he starts lifting themselves up instead of honoring the one who gave them the power. And that's what I mean by glorifying the effect and not the cause of the effect. So now go back to the next one. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And then next, He says, behold, I give you the authority to trample serpents and scorpions. I, this, I mean, this is a gift to you, okay? For one, you don't have this power unless I give it to you. And over the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Because of your faith in me, you're going to be able to do stuff like that. And what's the next one? Did I actually end it? Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, okay? Now, you think about how tempting this would be. If we really did have a really great service, and I mean people were delivered and people were being saved and we saw just unbelievable things happen, what would we be tempted to do? You would not believe the service that we had. Invite your friends. 
Epiphrans to come see what we got. I mean, that would be so easy. to And doesn't even sound like it would be that bad. I didn't think what these guys said was that bad. But Jesus said immediately, that's the same attitude that Satan himself had before he fell like lightning from heaven. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. I mean, these guys coming home and say, man, can you believe that Jesus saved us? Can you believe that as wicked as we are and as lost as he was, that he accepted us? He is amazing. I cannot believe we get to be in on his plan. It's unbelievable. And so go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, this to me, is the scariest verse in the Bible. Because not everybody who says they're a Christian is a Christian. Okay? Well, you can't say that. I mean, yes, I can because Jesus says it. He says it right here. Okay? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Okay? It's not enough to just know that eating right and exercising will help you lose weight and be healthy, okay? You actually have to do it. I read a story about a guy who uh, his parents were talking about they'd like to lose weight and stuff, so he, he went and he paid a bunch of money on these videos that he really felt like that they could do if they'd get up. So for the, their Christmas came and he, he gave them this gift, you know, of like this exercise program that, uh, you know, that, that they could start working on. So they were like, man, this is great. You know, we'll start this at the beginning of the January. This is our New Year's resolution and all that. So he goes on there. He's just going to check on them. And he says he finds his parents with popcorn and drinks watching the workout videos. And I'm like, wow, you know, there, there it is, man. There's kind of Christianity in, in a, in a nutshell. Like we know that we should read our Bible and pray and spend time with the Lord and treat people better than they deserve to be treated, but but actually doing it is hard. So not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now listen, to the, go to the next verse. Check this out. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name. So these disciples that are coming to Jesus and saying, man, even the demons are subject to us. Look at what they're in danger of. If they don't acknowledge the source that those gifts came from, they could go out and just operate in these gifts and never really know Him. So He says, Right here, these people are going to come and say, man, but we casted out demons right there in church. We prophesied in your name. We heard things and said things that had to be from you and done all these wonders in your name. We've seen great things, Lord. But he will say, next verse, then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you 
who practice lawlessness. And it's actually a lawyer in the context of the greatest command that's saying this. And he's saying, you are practicing lawlessness. And see, that's, that's what we want. We want to, we want to just follow like these, these rules. And we want to do great things that make us look good. But how often do we come back to the source? How often do we come back to say to Jesus' feet and say, Lord, you gave me eternal life. I love you. I want to be in your presence. How many times have I left a service and saying, thank you, Lord. Your spirit is ever so present here. And you know, I listen to pretty much all of my sermons that I do. And it's so funny to, to hear myself because you could tell I always start out kind of nervous and I'm um and you know and you know and I'm like, how many you knows am I going to say Like when I listen to myself? But there's always like, you know, this point that I'm like, we're, we're, we're God. I mean, like he, he shows up and I feel like he speaks. And when I'm done speaking, I really don't even know what I've said. And I'm just like, Lord, thank you, you know, so much for that. But And then I'll start working on that. Like in my own, I'll come up here and be conscious. Like, don't say the you knows and all that. And I'm like, why am I working on that? How about I just continue to thank God, the source of everything that he's ever given me, and just do it the way that I do it. I can get caught up in this. In fact, my last last week, my trip to Asheville, I really probably shouldn't have gone to... um to Asheville because it was it just set up to be a disastrous week okay so here's what ended up happening uh I go and the main reason I want to go is because three years ago on the ride up there I'm telling you I experienced the presence of the Lord it was just so insane I mean it lasted about an hour and a half I was out of tears my side was hurting so bad it was the greatest experience I've ever had with God. And that moment, you know, right after that was when I got the offer to, uh, to, to come and, and fill in here for a little while. And I knew that because of that, I just, something connected with that. He's filled me up to do something that He's called me to do. So, you know, without that, I don't know if I would have done this, but I knew He did something very uncommon, you know. But when that happened, I was just pursuing him because I loved him. But this past week when I go up to do it, I just somehow magically want it to happen again. And it didn't, okay? Because months before, uh, you know, I don't know how the, the devil works and when he gets these little openings, but like months before there's a bus driver that, that's going to be out and can't find a sub. And, and I try not to tell say no too many times, you know, but I just, uh, I felt for this lady. I said, you know what? Okay, I will. I'll drive your bus Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Now, if I choose to do that, that's a guaranteed 10 to 11 hour day, you know, because you're getting on that bus at six o'clock and you're probably getting off of it around four, four thirty, if you're lucky and everything goes right. And of course, everything didn't go right. You know, there were parents that went at their stop and I had to take them back to, to school and, you know, you make wrong turns. It was just really, really kind of, kind of frustrating. So by the time Friday rolled around, and see, that that eats into my time where I spend with the Lord. So I just kind of put all this stuff on the back burner, and I'm just trying to get through the next three days, okay? So basically, I'm starving, um, you know, spiritually. 
And then so that Saturday rolls around and I'm entered into this Scrabble tournament and all the way up into there, okay? I had worked my way up. I was in the bottom division, right? And I was at the top. So I'm like, dude, I am ranked first above all these other 15 players. So I'm thinking I am going to kick some tail, like... I'm going to go and I'm going to annihilate all these people. My ranking's going to go up and I'm going to win this prize money. I mean, I'm like, yes, you know, I love it. Well, the day before, somebody dropped out and that pushed everybody up and I got to be dead last in the next division. So instead of playing everybody where I was better than, well, then I get to play 15 other people who are, who are ranked higher and been playing a lot longer than me. Well, to make a long story short, I got trounced. I got killed. I got humbled, okay? But anyway, that night, Saturday, I mean, I'm so, I'm so drained. I'm so, I've done, I've done, no, that was all I could do on the way up there, even though it was beautiful, everything was, just to listen to a sermon, to listen to one of my favorite sermons, my, one of my favorite preachers. And I was just dead. So I got up there and I was still just dead. I couldn't concentrate. I went back and looked. I mean, there's words I had right there that I would find any other time. And I just, like I said, I just got killed. Um, but that night, um, I, I knew I was in Asheville. And Mickey had told me that North Asheville Baptist Church does a uh, does a um, Saturday night service at 6.30. Well, I got done at 6. And I said, well, maybe it's close by. And uh, I looked up on my phone. It was 10 minutes away. And so uh, I went to North Asheville. He's one of my favorite preachers, Jim Dykes. I listened to him uh, a good bit, pretty much all of his sermon series. And uh, so I got up there, man, and he's starting a new sermon series on David and Goliath. And while sitting there right in the middle of uh, the, pra- the praise and worship, you know, he's singing Chain Breaker. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. And so, uh, man, right then I realized the spiritual attack that I was under. And I realized everything, man, and I got back to the source. Jesus, you've saved me. Thank you. But see, if I start focusing on all these these effects and never get back to praise the cause, to praise Him, it just affects everything. And guys, that is so dangerous. And it's why I want to preach this to you today. We don't want to go through life and God actually doing good things in our lives and doing good things in our church, but Him look at us and say, depart from me because I never knew you. You never wanted to just sit at my feet. You never just wanted to hang out with me. You never just wanted to talk to me. You never just wanted to quiet yourself so that you could hear my still, small voice. All that stuff is fine and it's good, but I want you. Do you want me or do you just want the stuff that I can give you? I want the cause. I want Him, not what He can do for me. So, let's finally look at the main verse in context. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Okay, Remember, verse 27 is, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. So behold, a certain lawyer stood up. So a lawyer knows the law, knows the rules, of the Bible. He knows 
more than all of us probably in this room put together because he's probably got it memorized, okay? Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, okay? This is a time where all these people are coming, trying to get him to say something where they can condemn him, but he's too slick, he's too good, he keeps coming up with these other questions to ask them, and they just don't know what to do with them. So, certain lawyers stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And is that not, I mean, that's what we want as Americans. Like, look, what do you want me to do? You want me to say the sinner's prayer? Fine, I'll come down here and I'll say that prayer. Am I good to go now? Is that it? We want this one particular thing that we can do. We don't want it to be any kind of ongoing thing that we actually have to work on and work at. We want it to be a moment. And, you know, and the 70-year-old that finally dies, it says, oh, I know I lived my life like hell, but, you know, when I was 12, you know, I went I said that prayer, I'm good to go. Was that, did, did what I do, does that give me internal life? Is there something I can do? And that's what this guy's wanting. But Jesus, being so slick in the next verse, he says, what's written in the law? Like he don't know. I mean, he's awesome. I mean, he came up with the law. He's the one that spoke the law. He actually chiseled out on those stones when, when Moses received the law. You know, so what's written in the law? You know, that's just so cool. Jesus acting like, well, what's written in there? You know? Anyway, what's your reading of it? What's your interpretation of it? And then the lawyer says the right answer. He says, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so he's looking, you know, Jesus, Jesus says right after this, well, guess what? If you do this, you will live. But it says this lawyer wanted to justify himself. I said, well, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus gives the story of the good Samaritan. Like, look, your neighbor is people that you don't like. It's people that you can't stand. You should love them and want the best for them and want their hearts to change. But here's the greatest. You answered it right. Love me with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. But he didn't want this. What did he want? He wanted a rule. Give me a rule, something I can do because this love thing is too hard. So guys, whatever you're struggling with, I mean, this guy was obviously struggling with the love thing because he was trying to trap Jesus so they could come up with a way to kill him for a reason to have him executed. So he, in this whole story, like, look, you're not even treating me and I've never wronged you. I've never done anything. I've only wanted the best for you. So you don't love people and you certainly don't love God. You just want some rule so that if you abide by it, that you can say, well, all right, I'm good to go because I do this, this, and this. But do you love Him? Do you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all of your strength? And all I'm asking you to do is just be honest today and say, yes, no. I don't know. Whatever you are struggling with, whatever sin, it might be pride, 
It might be doubt. It might be fear. Some sort of sexual addiction. Or some sort of pride where you think you're better than anybody. Go to the source of the problem. You would not be struggling with this problem if you loved Him. You know, when I talk to married guys who have these, these wondering eyes and they'll look at these other women and they, they start, you know, they're fantasizing. They'll even tell, you know, say sometimes, you know, like, oh man, wouldn't you like to? And I'm like, no, I wouldn't. Like, I'd much rather go home to my wife. And, they, you know, it looks at me like I'm, like I'm crazy. And I'm like, I know one thing about that person right there. He does not love his wife. Now, if I said that, well, yes, I do. We've been married 12 years and I, this and this and this. And, you know, we've been through all these things. I said, man, if you loved her, any other woman pales in comparison to this woman that you call your wife, and I know this. I know this from my, from my own experience through the years. I know there's been times where I haven't loved her like I should. And that's when we, we go on dates and I call my parents and say, look, keep them. We're going to go out this weekend. And we do those things that we did at first. Cause man, when I, when I'm in love with her and all things are firing on all cylinders, I don't even want to look at other people. They do nothing for me. Even people on TV and all these models nothing compares to her because I'm in love and that's the same idea here if there's any sin you're struggling with you're really struggling with this source you don't love him like he deserves to be loved so you come down and you hit your knees and you say God I'm just going to be honest I don't love you the way that I should because all these other things are looking attractive will you change my heart we need to change our repentance or maybe i should say we need to learn to repent in the first place and just be honest how many times in the first 12 15 years of my christianity did i come down to an altar or kneel beside my bed and say god i will never do this again and how many times did I go out and do it again? A much more effective way to pray is say, God, I do this. And the truth is, I love doing this. And the truth is, you don't want me doing this. Let me fall in love with you so much that I don't want to do this anymore. Christianity is not about mustering up enough willpower to make yourself read this Bible. If you don't want to, just be honest and say, God, I'm not in love with this word. Will you help me fall in love with it? Because I want to love you with all my heart and with all my soul and with all my strength, and with all my mind. Guys, we'll have this altar. And uh, Nate, if you will, you can, you can find something uh, to play. We're going to have this altar this week and two more times. And guys, more than anything, more 
then I want us to put a new sound system and to have our new rooms to, to do ministry in more than I want all that new stuff. I want us to take new wineskins, new minds, new hearts that are insanely in love with God. More than I want to fill that with stuff, I want to fill it with us and us on fire, honoring the source, honoring Him, loving him more than anything else that this world has to offer. And I know I sat up here and I don't want you to think that I've got this going on, guys. I don't. I'm preaching to myself. I want to want Him more than anything on this planet. And if you want the same thing, please come and join me down here at this altar.